Hi everyone, this is Ben Guest, and I'm excited to welcome my friend Andres Alvarez back on the podcast. Dre has a website called Boxscore Geeks, where he does fantastic analysis of the NBA based on Wages of Wins and the work of Professor David Barry. Dre also has a podcast called Boxscore Geeks with his co-host Brian Foster, Boxscore Brian, where they discuss the NBA, and Dre also has a Substack nerdnumbers.substack.com breaking down the NBA so it was fun to bring Dre on and talk about game three of the NBA finals who the key players were and what happens next Dre game three let's dive in what are your thoughts my thoughts are Rob Williams versus Kevon Looney the two MVPs we were looking at this I, I gotta give a huge shout out to our and, and, and just just to make sure people understand you said two MVPs so you do writing, you're writing at nerdnumbers.substack.com. And when you broke down the Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals, what you found was, and your analysis is based on Dave Barry's wages of wins, which both of us think is the correct analysis. Your analysis found, looking at the numbers, Kavon Looney was the most valuable player for the Warriors, and Rob Williams was the most valuable player, most productive player for the Celtics. There is an argument for Rob, like we were just talking about, there's an argument for Rob Rob Williams being the most productive player in the games, the the, the Celtics one. I still have no complaints with Jason Tatum as the MVP. I'm right. saying there, there's a there's a slightly cantankerous, but but the point being, now last night, go last night. Rob Williams on a permanent basis was the best player in the game, and he played. And the reason, so the best player in the game, total just body of work. And by the way, once you're getting to playoff games, there is no tomorrow. That's what matters. So if I had to give game ball to last night's game, it goes to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, absolutely fantastic, plus 9.6 points over par. That is on its own, like that is the 72 win bolts, right? If you put a, if you if you drop that Jalen Brown onto an otherwise even team, you get the 72 win bulls in the 90s. That's that's how good he played last night overall. But he played 40 minutes. Robert Williams plus 8.9. So only about a point, only a little less than a point worse than Jalen Brown, 26 minutes. So basically you drop Rob Williams onto an average team, you get the 86 Celtics. You you drop Jalen Brown onto an average team, you get the 72 win Bulls. But regardless, they both played amazingly. That's the key thing now. Right. And just, just to be clear, if you drop Robert Williams onto any of those teams and play him 40 minutes, then you get the 72 bulls. So Robert Williams, the third played 26 minutes last night. Here's the stat line, eight points, 10 rebounds, four blocks, three steals, zero turnovers, 80% shooting. That is absolutely phenomenal. And just for the people at home, can you give a real quick explanation points over par? So, okay. They're, they're, Basically, the wins produced formula gets an estimate of exactly that. I tell you this player. So as an example, last night, I tell you, uh, I guess I don't have it on this page. That's a shame. I should add that. Anyway, but I I can tell you, say, hey, Rob Williams gave his team plus 0.2 wins. That doesn't mean a lot in an individual game. But the secret sauce to all of the box score metrics you like. So if you're looking at, and I'm sorry, they're crap ones, but they're used like BPM, like wind shares, the underlying logic around any wins-based box score statistic is point margin, how much you outscore the opponent by. So points over par is saying exactly that. Namely, if I take my player's performance, like I said, on an average team against an average opponent, 
this is what they would do to the margin. So like I'm saying, if you dropped Rob Williams, with if he had his backup that played 22 minutes that was average on a team of all-average players against an all-average opponent on, an, on a neutral court, they would win by nine, which is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Now, right. okay. okay. Wait, now, wait, what you got next? Okay, flip side. Now, here's the problem. This is very much a, a magic trick, Ben. We Love were it. so busy looking looking at Rob Williams. That's what you, me, Brian, oh, I'd say between the three of us, between our respective podcasts, several hours on that thesis. Mm -hmm. So busy looking at that. Is Rob Williams going to be healthy? Rob Williams production. None of us looked at the real problem in this series, which is Draymond Green. Mm, Draymond Green is atrocious. And that is the difference. And so here's, here's a funny point. Rightly so. Rob Williams goes out injured in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. And you're like, he was already injured. He's leaving injured. Really got to worry about his health. Now, an annoying reality, Ben, is this might hurt him in the near future, very near future, right? Him playing, he might be injured. He might be re-injuring stuff. But he's a young kid. And so it's weird to call him a kid. He's an adult. He's a young player. So young players traditionally can play through stuff, bounce back. Now it costs them in the future, right? We've certainly seen players like Grant Hill as an example where bounced back, played really hard, and then, then, then their body just gave out. But Rob Williams is young and can play out. The Warriors are pretty old. And I was so busy looking at their young core, which is Poole, Looney, um, Wiggins, who are all pretty young, that their older players, Curry and Draymond, that matters a great deal. And Draymond has played a lot in the playoffs. Draymond is now, you know, he's, I think, Clay Thompson at one point noted he played the most. Draymond Green has been beat up in the past couple of seasons that he looked good this year, and now he's playing a super long season. So we were so busy going, the Warriors have a week off. They're going to be fine. Draymond Green looks fine. Is Rob Williams going to be okay? It's like, this is a young kid that's going to get four days of turnaround time. Draymond Green is an old guy that might break down. That's the narrative I'm seeing. But what I'll also stress, this does harken back to my shit doesn't work in the playoffs. We didn't know, and it's really hard to know. And I, I, I really am starting to push back against the post hoc narrative because it's something we can ascertain after the fact, but I want to be wary of saying, oh, we could have seen that coming. And I'll, I'll pat myself on the back again. That is 100% what I said on the Box Score Geek show where I, I, I stole all of your content from Brian when I was talking to him, where I said my response, that is like, I just don't know. There's, there's too many unknowns in this, in this series. Right. That's a great point. So I'm looking at Draymond's finals numbers because my analysis, uh, similar to yours, was it comes down to Rob Williams for the Celtics and Gary Payton II for the Warriors. And Arturo has pointed this out on his um, Twitter feed. He's at, I think, American Numbers. Is that it, Dre? American Numbers? Yeah, American is that Numbers. Is Twitter yeah. Feed. Um, that Steve Kerr plays suboptimal lineups and i certainly noticed that with how he's how much he's playing wiggins how much he's playing draymond and how little he's playing gary payton second that being said this draymond's performance is totally unexpected because as you said they had like a week off between the Western Conference and Finals. And he looked great in the Conference Finals. He was, he he was great. He was on the MVP. He, like, so basically at nerdnumbers.substack.com, when I put together my MVP list, Draymond Green was actually on it because what happened is, as you remember, the Warriors quickly dispatched Dallas. They did it in five games. And they actually spread the love a lot to the point where this kind of sounds mean. Steph Curry 
never won a game ball. Game ball, the definition I mean is being like the MVP of a of a of a win. So right, they mm-hmm. won four games. There are four game balls. Curry got zero of them. Now Curry, by the way, was like really really productive and the only player on the Warriors with over 20, 20 points per game. So it makes its way won the MVP. But I think it was uh, Looney, Pool, Draymond, and I think oh Wiggins. That that pains me. So it's like Draymond so, Green won a game ball. Draymond right. Green was looked really so, productive. Okay. So, so here's what I don't understand. And now that we're talking about it, I have one or two ideas. But if we're going the, the route of fatigue matters, which I certainly think it does, then Draymond should have a good game one because he's just coming off a week of rest. But he had an atrocious game one, an excellent game two, and an atrocious game three so what do you suppose is behind that so again we we have no idea and i mean here's here's one of my 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 funniest it would be really fun to dig into the data on this Mm -hmm. a conspiracy theory for years on james harden because he was well known as someone who frequented strip clubs is like based on the city and date as in like a weekend game or not Mm -hmm. could impact his play and that would be fun to look at and so there's stuff like that so we don't know and that that is the the whole playoff point is these these minor things matter and i think what's really key uh, let's, let's actually talk game one a little mm-hmm. because you and I spent 40 minutes talking one questionable three-point shot. So here, I really love this bet. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, 32.1% career three-point shooter. Marcus Smart, you know what his career three-point shooting is? No. What? 32.1%. <laughs> now, admittedly, someone is going to say... Um, Someone is going to say, and by the way, that is, I'm getting the, the red light if we're a comedy club. So we're going to wrap up in a few here. Okay. Um, but essentially, Jimmy Butler's worse this season than Marcus Smart at threes, but neither one of them is a player you want taking threes. If you look at that amazing historic comeback in game one that Boston put up against the Warriors. Sorry, I'm going to have to make that. I'll try and give you a, a logical cut. One second. Am I still here? Yeah. Hey, sorry. No worries. All right. I knocked my mixer off the table. <laughs> if you look at if you look at game one in that historic comeback, there were six threes between a combination of Marcus Smart, um, Al Horford, and one other player. And Derek White of, probably. Derek well, Derek White's a good three-point shooter. Mm. Um, but none of those players are players that you want taking threes and Mm -hmm. all of them went in and that's the difference in the game. So basically when it comes down to it, we're in a position where this could be a two, one hole for the war, you know, two, one lead for the warriors or some marginal things. That's the other thing I want to come back with is be really careful about, you know, Oh, the, 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 the warriors are getting outplayed. It's like bullshit. If you want to tell me that, uh, what is it? Adoka, I think is how you say his name, the, the rookie coach for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. bullshit if you tell me his strategy is here's what i'm going to do i'm going to get in i'm going to get in a 10 point deficit in the fourth i'm going to have marcus smart who's a 32.1 percent career three-point shooter bury two threes and then have al horford my guy that's been rebounding like that i'm going to have him bury two threes and that's going to get us the lead and then also that draymond green draymond green former defensive player of the year is going to utterly collapse like he was just making stupid fouls and turn, got a turnover i believe it's like that wasn't your plan. It was luck. So right. I, I do want to end us with, with that point. So I was going to say, I'll, I'll let you get me finalizing points because otherwise, like I said, uh, I'm getting called for dinner. Sure. So game one, 
Draymond shoots two for 12 and fouls out. Game three, he fouls out and can't remember what he shot, but he just scored four points total, I think. So let me check the box score. Game three, Draymond shot one of four. So game one, two of 12, game three, one of four, both games he fouls out. I think that's number one. In game two, the refs let him get away with much more. There's one clip where he's literally pushing like an offensive lineman, pushing three different Celtics defenders away so that Curry gets an open three. So I think number one, Draymond was allowed to play more physical in game two without fouling out. And then the adjustment that Yudoka made in game three was he switched Rob Williams from guarding Andrew Wiggins to Rob Williams guarding Draymond Green. And so once Williams is guarding Draymond Green, Williams can just roam off of him and the Warriors have very little chance of finishing anything close to the basket if Rob Williams is there. So those are the two things that I think happened um, for Draymond Green's productivity to plummet as it has. Now here's a, I'm going to give Coach Ben a question. This is a rough one. Hmm. First off, I have no idea. There, there's, there's two things. I have no idea what the hell um, Kerr was thinking and or I'm worried because I have no idea why Kevon Mooney only played 17 minutes last night. Mm-hmm. That is a problem. If you're in those 17 minutes, scored six points on 75% shooting with seven rebounds, three assists. Well, I had three turnovers. That's not good, but that's still everything else is great numbers for your starting center. 75% shooting, seven rebounds in 17 minutes. It wasn't great, but I mean, as an example, Draymond Green got 35 minutes. Um, Kevon Looney got 17. Draymond Green is so, so freaking bad. And Kevon Looney's close to average. So it's like, I'm mm-hmm. pretty much sure if you left Kevon Looney in the game, they, and you know, the, 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 the Warriors were able to get it close in the fourth. So anyway, but I was going to say to the coach, do you have the mental fortitude to bench Draymond and just basically say, Kevon, you're playing like 35 plus minutes a game and then play, you know, whatever they got as a backup, back, backup power forward. Right. I think the before I answer your question, I think the Warriors' best lineup would be something like Kaminga. You could play Looney and Porter, Porter Jr., Curry, Payton, and Kaminga or Iguodala. Um, or Clay. I mean, Clay had a had a great game yesterday. That again with with fatigue and obviously he's coming back from two years worth of of injury time off. Who knows if that's going to continue game to game? I do you have the fortitude? The the question is, does Steve Kerr have the fortitude, right? And I think he does because he's got three rings. And those rings, and he's in the finals, and he's his career playoff series record is something like 20, 21 and two or something. So he's got enough cachet that he can do what he wants. But generally coaches subscribe to the philosophy, you dance with the one, what brung you? So that's why I think Kerr is playing. He played Iguodala a little bit last night. He's just kind of naturally going to go with the guys you trust, the guys who've been in the foxhole with you before. So he's going to keep starting Thompson, keep starting Green, keep starting Wiggins. And Looney probably won't play more than 24 minutes. 
That's that I, I'm, I'm hoping you're right. I mean, I'm hoping it's interesting because I think Brian revealed you're rooting for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm so mean, Ben, cause I'm on both sides. I love players on the Warriors. Um, I'm iffy. I mean, you, you saw a tweet I mentioned about this today where I just get progressively upset with people that make bad decisions and then get good outcomes. That's the conditional logic point, right? Just because you have an umbrella doesn't mean it's raining. Just because your team won doesn't mean you were the reason it had that success. I get sick of that and I, I get sick of the braggadocio. So I, I really don't like, you know, the Warriors, it's rough for me to want to root for them to win because you have this owner that when it happened was whining, oh, I had to trade D'Angelo Russell, my star for Andrew Wiggins, because I had to save 10 million in cap. And now I was like, that is the smartest trade I've ever made. It's like, you are someone that made billions of dollars acquiring this franchise and then were too cheap to pay your finals MVP player to stick around, mm-hmm. to pay the star that you had picked up. You were, you were, I mentioned this, and this is true as well. You were yelling at Forbes. This is like a, you were yelling at Forbes that they were undervaluing your team at $4 billion and then arguing that you had to make a trade to save $10 million on a championship squad that just got a new stadium. And then now, after the fact, like, oh, that was a brilliant call. It's like, no, I know what you did. And the annoying part is fans don't. We, we've seen this, right? Like, one of my favorite lines is, you know, Michael Jordan never quit on his team. And I'm like, of all of the players in professional sports history to try and use the line, they never quit on the team. The guy that literally quit on his team to play a different sport such that it fell apart is not the one to use. But of course people still do. So that's, I'm I, like I right. said, I love so many players like Andre Vidal is one of my favorite players. I'd love to see him get enough, another ring would definitely help his hall of fame chances. The Celtics are more of like the construction I like. Also, there's a funny thing, which is the Celtics have Nick Stauskas, who is a famous meme from the, the Kings. So it's just ever, ever more fun to say that, you know, Nick Stauskas has a ring. The Kings haven't even made the playoffs. So I can, I can play both sides pretty easily. To your point, though, we will see. Next game is what's going to happen. We're going to see if Kerr sticks with Draymond. We're going to see if Kevon Looney gets the leash or not. And we're going to see if Rob Williams is healthy. There's a lot, lot to check out. I'll be traveling. So this time it, it won't, it will probably be the case where I can't record or if I do, I'll be on a cell phone and I, I might still do that depending on how exciting. If we have another sure. game like this, I, I, I might get baited into doing it even, you know, even on a road trip. Sure. Well, let's, let's end with Steve Kerr because there's another point I want to make. Just because Steve Kerr isn't playing optimal lineups does not mean Steve Kerr is a bad coach. In fact, I think Steve Kerr is an excellent coach. And we talked about this, I think, on the very first podcast episode you and I did together. There are so many different aspects that go into coaching. It's impossible to be outstanding at all of them. And the overall body of work and the atmosphere that Kerr has created or is allowed to flourish with the Warriors where guys trust each other, play comfortably, play relaxed. That to me is much more valuable than does, does the coach know what the optimal lineups are. That being said, in the finals where every little decision matters and playing Kevon Looney five fewer minutes or playing Rob Williams five extra minutes can be the difference in the game in the series. That's, that's, it's magnified, but I don't think it makes Kerr a below average coach. I think Kerr is an excellent coach. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll put two quotes together. The one I already said, my shit doesn't work in the playoffs, which is one that people just forget. There's a famous goalie. I don't remember the name, so I don't want to mis- misattribute, but they said, you know, being a goalie is like any other job. Just imagine you were working your nine to five and every time you made a mistake, a red light over your head went off, a loud buzzer sounded and 30,000 people stood up and booed you. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? Kerr is under a microscope for these, min- you know, these minor things he's doing. Brian and I talked a lot about, and I'm sure you had similar conversations about the culture of the Warriors. I don't think it's ownership. So apologies. I think ownership is doing what ownership does. Ownership is doing Elon Musk, which is saying, I did all that. And you've got this great culture underneath you that you basically just bought. And that, that is true. People don't know that Elon Musk didn't, didn't found Tesla. He didn't make it. He bought it. And then is like, I'm saving the world. It's like, no, you bought a successful company, not a bad, great call, great call. But the amount of credit he then takes and like the lines he's saying, like, I sleep under my desk, people have to work really hard. It's like, I don't know how hard you're working if you're on Twitter as much as you are, but is what it is. So again, I'm putting, yeah, I'm, I'm doing, throwing that out. Musk and the, the Warriors ownership I'm going to take shots at. But the Warriors have made a great culture where you have people like Gary Payton asking on the team. And I mean, that's what's rough is I'll call the Warriors lucky. And I, I'm repeating a quote I said on our show, Ben. But, you know, it's the Jack Nicholas line, like the, the more I practice, the luckier I get. It's easy to call the Warriors lucky when Andre Godala forces his, him, himself on the team, himself on the team. And it's easy to call them lucky when Kevin Durant forces himself on the team. And it's easy to call them lucky when Gary Payton forces himself on the team. But you go, all of these really good players that are the difference between being a top four seed and making the finals and being a playoff team, this keeps happening. So you're doing something right now. Giving the credit is really, really hard. It, Brian's theory is Steph Curry is one of the best, you know, top stars on a team out there. And, you know, if, if Steph Curry goes, we'll see what happens. But the Warriors keep getting lucky and there's something there and Kerr might be part of it. And yeah, it's like, it is so funny, right? You don't want to turn into corporate culture of going, this team has failed one day. So let's dismantle this thing that has literally gotten us to the finals. What, uh, six times in the last eight years, I think, is that it? Yeah, something like that. So it's that. like, okay, whatever, last, whatever. Yeah. last thing, Dre, what happens next? No idea. I'm, 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 I'm holding <laughs> firm with mine. I don't know because I, 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 didn't, I didn't predict Rob Williams' health. I didn't predict Draymond Green's health. I didn't predict Steph Kerr or um, Steph Kerr, um, Steve Kerr benching Kevon Looney. So right. I don't know. I'm sticking with, I don't know, but I am rooting for a game seven because we always want a game seven. Here's what I think. So, Rob Williams was outstanding in game three and there's just one day off before game four. So if recovery from injury is going to be an issue, it'll happen in game four. So if Rob Williams can only play limited minutes or is just not effective, not getting many rebounds or blocked shots in game four, obviously then that favors the Warriors. Plus there's the incentive that the NBA and the referees have to want the series go long. So that would indicate that the Warriors would win game four, then it's 2-2, then anything can happen because now there's more space, there are more days off, and Williams could get healthy. If Williams is, is, his health is improving regardless of the games, and he looked much better in game three than he did in game two, if he has that same level of productivity in game four, he's good to go. All right, Dre, thanks so much for coming on. All right, looking forward to listening to this. Okay, bye. So there you go. It all comes down to the health of Rob Williams. Looking forward to seeing what happens in game four. This is Ben Guest. Thank you for listening. 
You can find all of my work at benbo.substack.com. That's B-E-N-B-O substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at BGuest, my handle at BGuest. And thank you so much for listening. If you liked today's podcast, please rate, subscribe, leave a review. It all helps. Thank you and have a great day.